In our series, A String of Pearls, Dutch Buzz contributors speak to people who have made an exceptional contribution to our local community. People whose passion for what they do have had an added value for the city of The Hague. 20 years ago, Billy Orwood created The Hague Online to let internationals in The Hague know what's going on in their city and how they can enrich their own expat experience. In the first part of the interview, Billy tells us how the website he created gave birth to the biggest community fair for expats in The Hague, as well as connections between the international and the Dutch communities. First, he tells us how it all began. Around the years 2000, then the internet was really available for people at home. And I was living in The Hague and I wasn't actually feeling at home. And one of the reasons I felt was I didn't really know what was going on in my own city. So I started looking where could I find, at that time, information in English, and there wasn't any. And then I thought, well, oh, maybe this is a business opportunity because by then the international community was growing in The Hague. Maybe there's an opportunity to start a website, a news information website, for the expat and international community in The Hague, and so that's how it came about. Weren't there websites like Expatica about... Expatica at that time was based in Amsterdam. It was news mainly, but what was happening in a national level. You know, I was more kind of what was actually happening in The Hague. That's what was missing uh, at the time. How has The Hague Online evolved over the last 16 years? We started The Hague Online, which is a business, actually started off with a website called The Hague Online. At that time, you know, around 2003, 2004, you know, if you had a website, then you, you know, it could be you know, a website entrepreneur, and this was even before the times of Facebook and WordPress. And through the website, you could actually create a business. That didn't really happen, but through the website, I got uh, well known within the international community and made contacts. And basically, the business now, which is The Hague Online, the website is, I would say, is our as our face, our shop window, mm -hmm. uh, but really um, what is our, I think, big revenue earners and our, our main business is the Feel at Home Fair. So we organize a, a Feel at Home, which is a, a physical event, mm -hmm. and then we, from that we also start then to publish magazines. So we publish now the Feel at Home magazines, and so in a strange way I started off online, and now basically the two things which I spend most of my time on is a physical fair and publishing magazine. The fair arrived after the, the website, as you said. How was it born? I think it was born because some of the international schools in September used to have an open evening for parents and they would invite some of the sports, social and community groups and I got invited to some of these events. And so some of us would go to the American school, we'd go to the British school and we'd go to the international school. And what we realised was that None of these events were really, I'd say, oversubscribed or very popular. But we felt there's probably a need. And I thought, well, why not just organize one event? Because the same people were going to three events. And that for them, it'd be more interesting just to go to one event and actually publicize it as a big event. And that's basically um, how the fair started. And then I guess you, you had businesses join in, all sorts of businesses that cater to, to internationals. In the first year, we had very few businesses because we had a very small venue. We, I think we had around 60 to 70, I would say, we called standholders. And of them, I think only 10 were businesses, and they were very small businesses because the idea was to support social and community groups. 
And basically it was a very simple format. They just had a table and, and a chair and people came and spoke to them and people went away with leaflets in those days because most sports and social clubs in 2006 had no presence whatsoever on the internet. Would you say it's really had an impact on the lives of expats, the Feel at Home Fair? I would like to say yes. <laughs> I think what is gratifying is when people say, you know, I found myself a social life, I started to enjoy myself in the hay when I came to your fair and I met so-and-so or I joined this group and I think that's really what the fair is about so you know it's not just me or the team who's helped me but I think it's the fact that we get a good buy-in or collaboration with all the sports social and community groups and that's why it's a, it's a community fair. Do you have any uh, memorable moments? I think for me the most memorable moment was the first year we organised the fair in the Carlton Ambassador. Because it was the first time we've ever organised it, we, didn't, we weren't quite sure how many people were going to come. So we'd done a lot of things we were in, co in collaboration with Access, setting up the fair. And the day before we'd only sold 100 tickets. So you're thinking, you've set this all up and are people going to come? And on the Sunday itself, you know, we had around 2,000 visitors. But the nicest thing, was it was a beautiful day. Sometimes the gods or whatever are smiling on you. It was a beautiful day. And there was a queue of people um, around the Carlton Ambassador Hotel trying to get into the fair. And you just looked at it and thought, wow. <laughs> you know, and that was such a... Yeah, because you know, I think, you know, you see it. Anybody who ever organises an event, you're never certain how many people are going to come. That's always, and you hold your heart fast as a Dutch say, you know, cross your fingers that people will actually turn up on the day. And they did. And, and they did. And since then, you know, in the next year we actually had 4,000 visitors, so it really ramped up very quickly. I was at the fair this year for Dutch Buzz. Yeah. We were lucky to get it in just before, well, a few weeks before lockdown. Yeah. What's next year's fair going to be like? Yeah, if something's been a good year for us, because our fair was in February, so we, we were very fortunate that our fair took place. Other, I'd say, expat and international fairs have been um, cancelled. So we're looking at doing something for 2021, but obviously we can't organise a fair in the same way we've done for the last 13 years. So we're looking at something, I can't say too much, but we're looking at uh, organising a fair taking into account all the current COVID uh, corona restrictions. So I would say watch this space. You mentioned the magazine that you produce, the Feel at Home magazine. I spent quite a long time early this year circling all the events that I wanted to attend in it, but then, <laughs> but then, um, well, most of them were cancelled for the sake of social distancing. But I know that there are still things going on. So in, in what way, without giving away your strategy, but in what way have organisers been creative to get around the restrictions so that things can still happen in The Hague? thing is it's changed so quickly so if we were talking a week ago <laughs> you know I think um, locations like the Pard could have a lot more visitors I think they were going up to 150 to 200 visitors now they're you know I mean the government restrictions are back down to 30 so people are working on things I think for the next month it's going to be very difficult because I think the big issue is if you only can have 30 people attending an event is it uh, financially viable and that becomes a big problem with, so with, with, with 30 people. I think, you know, and I think that's why people are waiting to see if they ease the restrictions. 
then more more can happen. But I think for the cultural sector at the moment, it's terrible. It really is. It really really is bad. You would think some things can happen online, but it's it's not as easy as that. Uh, yeah, I think some you know for the, I know the Pod have done some live streaming of events. I think the difficulty is you can live stream an event. Yeah, but I think if you're an artist, <laughs> where do you get paid? You know, because I still think that if you go to the Pod, I think you want to. It's a it's a social event you want you know it's nice you're there with people you're dancing you feel you feel the atmosphere you know if you just live stream an event from the park you know, how much would you pay for it and is it as interesting i think that's the issue because at the moment people are, some venues are doing live stream free of charge and i think that's just a, in a way to do something but i don't think uh, financially it's not sustainable going back to the the fair I know it's currently held in the uh, the Khomeinta House, the, the City Hall, yes. I was wondering how well has the local Dutch society, including the municipality, embraced this attention for expats? Fortunately, I think since the beginning, the local Khomeinta, the municipality, has really embraced the fair. And also the schools have embraced the fair. Businesses, it's a bit harder. And we're still working on getting local businesses more involved in the in the fair. I think sometimes some people say the fair is too social. <laughs> you know, it's too gezellig. You know, people don't on a Sunday they're not there actually looking to do business. So often we say to people, well, the fair should be about branding, not that people are going to buy products. It's not a market. The fair isn't a market. It's a, it's a meeting place for internationals, and I think it's a place where you, as a business, can come along and meet international people. You know, just talk to them and get an idea what do they want. You know, I mean, what services they're looking for, what can you provide them with. Just just interact and talk to them, and not use it as well. I come to the fair, and how much have I sold today? And have you encountered any? How do I put this? Uh, sort of nationalistic feelings uh, within du the Dutch community that might oppose setting up something that's exclusively for internationals. The fair isn't exclusive for internationals. I think the fair is a meeting place for the international community. Um, for instance, one of the things we've been um, very keen on is getting, I would say, what you'd call a Dutch sports social community group to come to the fair and to engage and to attract expats international as members but I think they have to also understand that if you're going to attract expat and internationals you know, often these people have limited knowledge of Dutch so it has to be a two-way street you know sometimes people are interested in joining but in the beginning you have to I would say give them some extra tender love and care in the beginning to get them over that little that little hurdles to become a member of the club And I think that's, you know, so I wouldn't say we're trying to integrate people, that's probably too big a word, but we're trying to get both sides to come closer together. In the second part of this interview, Billy Allwood, founder of The Hague Online and the Feel at Home in the Hague Fair, tells us how and why he adapted his career path, what inspired him, and what makes The Hague a good place to retire. Do you know someone who deserves to be called a pearl? Then drop us a line on DutchBuzz at live.com. That's DutchBuzz at live.com. You do need to tell us why your suggestion deserves the pearl nomination. In the first part, Billy Allwood talked about bringing the Dutch and international communities together. But how did the story start for him? I asked him what initially brought him to The Hague. 
work. Uh, I was a traditional expat. I was working for a Brazilian uh, mining company in London and they decided to relocate their main international office from London to The Hague. So I was asked to relocate in 1994. And two years later they got taken over by a bigger Brazilian mining company. So I left and uh, I actually started my, for the first time, my own company here in the Netherlands, a financial software company. I did that from what six years and uh, yeah it was a good time to be in software, it was financial software. We were fortunate at that time because we had the implementation of the Euro in 1999 if I remember rightly and then we had uh, the year 2000 issue. <laughs> Which was a very good time to be in software. <laughs> you didn't actually have to do anything but right? Wow. I think it's like with a lot of things in life, not to say you didn't have to do anything, but at that time, if you went to a financial controller of a company and you said, well, how well are you prepared for the year 2000? His eyes would glaze over and he said, we're not sure. And we had a solution, which was to put in a new financial system, which was you were certain that you would have no problems. Do you think you might... Do you think you might retire here? The more I think of it, the more I think I'm going to retire here, yeah. I don't, I don't ever see myself going back to the UK. I tend to feel I'm a bit like a lot of Dutch people. If I actually do retire, the problem would, would be for me would be the winter months. And then you're thinking, well, yeah, maybe go to Portugal or go to Spain for a few months or take an extended holiday over the winter months in Thailand or, or something just to uh, get away from the worst of the winter. What makes The Hague a good place to retire? I think I just enjoy living here. I think, you know, I like the lifestyle. You know, I mean, the things I like to do, I like playing golf, so there's a golf course here. Um, I like playing tennis, so there's plenty of tennis courts. You know, I like uh, cycling. And I think it's big enough that there's a variety of people and things to do, but small enough where you know your way around. Uh, yeah, I was going to mention the golf because I know you're quite an enthusiast. <laughs> Is it important as a, as a sort of long-term international to have a hobby and a, and a bunch of friends to enjoy it with? I think so. I think it's always, always important to have a balanced life. And I think, you know, I think the thing is with most expats, they come here with a job. So they know more or less what that bit's going to be. But I think, you know, if you're not happy outside work, then I think it has an impact on your work. And I think that's for us is one of the successes of the fair, is that people in one day can find things to do in their free time. And that's, you know, the goal of the fair. And I think that's important for everybody. Um, you mentioned uh, the winters are tough here. So I'm, I'm going to challenge you now <laughs> to, <laughs> to give me your top tip for something to do in The Hague in the colder months. So, and something that's uh, pandemic friendly. Oh, I was going to say play squash, but apparently at the moment you can't play squash. So uh, I think the thing you can do, you can play tennis indoors. There's some tennis courts indoors. Yeah, maybe uh, join, uh, do some salsa dancing or something, because I think it's good to have a bit of movement. That's probably not allowed. That, that's not, you can't do a team sport because that's not allowed. <laughs> I cycle everywhere. If I go to business meetings, I cycle. And I just enjoy cycling, because, you know, I think one of the nice things about cycling is you have time to look around you and see what's happening. You know, if you're driving a car, you're so focused on driving the car, you, you miss a lot of things. But on the, on the bike... You just see things, and I, and I like taking different routes to see what's happening, new shop opening and, and different things. And, you know, if you just go for a 20-minute cycle, it's really nice. Yeah, I've heard you're supposed to, well, it's good for everybody to get two hours of 
outdoor daylight today and, mm -hmm. and, and just cycling everywhere kind of get some of that in actually. Yeah, exactly. Billy uh, asked you to bring in a favorite book or poem and I see something on the table here. Yeah, my favorite book, what well, I've got the autobiography of uh, Malcolm X. Yeah, what I think is interesting about Malcolm X is he's saying the beginning of the book can be very embittered. You know, his father was murdered. He goes into a life of crime and sort of, I would say, fast living. Then he's imprisoned and then he becomes a, a devotee of a, a branch of Muslim in the, in the prison. He comes out and becomes an activist. But also a thing, the interesting thing is he starts off as a sort of what you could sort of as an activist, as a black separatist. And then he goes to Mecca, and then he realizes that the Muslim religion is far broader than just the black communities he's involved in. And then basically he suddenly then he sees another light, and then he becomes you know, a different person. Yeah, then he separates from uh, the Muslim religion he was in. So I think it's the way a journey of life. And I think that's what's interesting about the Malcolm X story. Pity that he died so early, he was assassinated. But yeah, and I think it's, you know, wherever we are in, our, in life, we can always change. And I think he's somebody, I think through his life, he always changed for the better. Was that part of your inspiration to take a sort of, make big changes in your own career, for example? I think one of the things about life is, until you reach something, you don't know whether you, whether you really want it or you enjoy it. And I think there's lots of things in life you do and you get there and you say, well, I can do this, but am I really happy? Yeah, if you're not really happy, then people say, well, yeah, but you, you got a good job, you got a good salary, why sh you should be happy. But everybody is an individual and, and I think for me it's more important to do something which is, is happy. It's a nice philosophy. <laughs> Did you also bring in a photograph? I brought a, a photo, this is, um, I was looking watch a bit, and this is a, a photo of me in a car I had when I was a lot younger, <laughs> living in London, and I thought I was cool. I had a, a TR7, which was a, a two-seater sports car, and it wasn't a new TR7, but it, and it was a thing, you know, when I was young, and it was always my dream to have a sports car, and I brought myself a sports car, and, but I really used to enjoy driving it. You know, and obviously you can't keep it forever, but it is, it's one of those things that, yeah, not that I had made it, but I had enough money and uh, relatively successful, I could afford to buy uh, a, a sports car until family things got in the way and you needed four seats and uh, <laughs> you need to have a more sensible car. <laughs> so a, a happy, carefree phase in your life. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have something from your kitchen drawer? Uh, a teaspoon. Well, I think because as people know me, I'm not somebody who's a lot in the kitchen. <laughs> so I thought, what do I use most from the kitchen drawer? Probably a teaspoon to, um, to stir my tea or to stir my coffee. But it's not, <laughs> I don't have any favorite uh, instrument or favorite uh, thing I use in the kitchen. One of the things which happened a few years ago, my daughter bought me a wok. So uh, and often with the wok you would buy stir-fried vegetables and you could put mix them with stuff. So uh, that's a, an easy meal you know, to make <laughs> and very healthy. And finally, something from your bedside table. I thought it was a bedside table because I don't actually have anything on my bedside table apart from my phone. And often when I wake up in the morning, it's, you know, I often, sometimes use it as an alarm if I have to go and play um, golf. But when I wake up, I often look at my phone to read the news. I basically, every morning, I check the BBC website. I check uh, the Daily Mail website. 
to keep some balance. <laughs> and I check the Guardian website. You don't check the Dutch websites. Yeah, I do. Also, I check uh, UNL, and uh, for the local news, I check uh, Omroep West, and of course, Den Haag FM. <laughs> and not forgetting, of course, the Hague Online. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, but I just have one final question for you. Is there somebody that you could nominate who you think should be on Dutch Buzz's String of Pearls? I would nominate Mary Gavin, who's done a lot of work, predominantly for the Irish community, but I think for the expat community as a whole. Wonderful. Okay. Thank, thank you very much. much. Thank you very much. Yeah. This interview was recorded at the end of 2020, but I caught up with Billy just before posting, and he shared an exciting announcement as well as a request from listeners. So Billy, you have something to announce about the Feel at Home in the Hague Fair. Yes, the Feel at Home in the Hague Fair will go on this year. It will be a different type of event. It's going to be our first hybrid Feel at Home International Community Fair. And it will this time the fair will actually last a week. It will be from Sunday the 14th of March to Saturday the 20th of March. And being a hybrid affair, it will have an online and an offline component. The offline component will be that we want to encourage and work with all the different sports, social and community groups to organise open days during the week of the fair, which will normally take place in their locations. So that's the offline component. And the online component is that we're on the Sunday the 14th, we're going to live stream on two channels interactively performances for the international and the expat community. On one channel we're going to have um, panel discussions and debates and on the second channel we're going to showcase the activities which take place within the international community as well as professional sporting and cultural events. How can people sign up? The Feel at Home website will be online next week and then later on people can register for the platform but please Go to our website and the dates when people can register for the platform for the event will be on our website later. And I believe there's a request from the organisers. With the new format, we would welcome any suggestions from the visitors and also standholders of any content and input this year for the fair. So if you have any uh, ideas of content, you can always contact us at The Hague Online, billy at thehagueonline.com. Wonderful. Thank you very much. We all know the girl with the pearl earring, but do we all recognize the pearls in our own community? Exceptional people with a passion for what they do. Dutch Buzz seeks them out and speaks to them about their life's work to honor them for the contributions they have made to our international community.